0: Welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at gbcakron.org. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at gbcakron.org. That's I-N-F-O at gbcakron.org. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning and thank you for spending part of your Fourth of July weekend with us here at Grace Bible Church. I'm so glad to see you. Thankful that you're here. Uh, We are uh, in a study or looking at the book of Ephesians. I know uh, I I can't speak for all of you, but at least at my household, sometimes um, we watch HGTV. I used to think that only old people watched HGTV, and then I started watching it and realized, no, that's not true. There's other people that watch it. It's not just old people that watch that. But, you know, HGTV on the shows that they have there, a lot of their shows are home makeovers. Have you noticed that? You know, Property Brothers, Hometown, Fixer Upper, Flip or Flop. Am I ringing a bell with anybody? Am I the only one watching these shows? Because that makes me feel bad if I'm the only one watching those shows. Yeah, you know, and so what's interesting about these home makeover shows is, um, I, I'm amazed at how much they can get done in a commercial break. <laughs> I mean, they come back and, oh my gosh, the kitchen's done, you know? And, and I'm, all, I'm always amazed that, you know, they tell on the show how much it costs and then you go to Home Depot and it's three times that much. It's like, how did they get it so cheap on the show? How did that happen? But everybody likes to do a home makeover, you know? Uh, at, at some point, sometime we like for things to be spruced up, we like for things to be better. What if, what if there was such a thing as a character makeover? Wouldn't it be great if, if you know, Chip and Joanna Gaines could just show up at your house and remake us, make us better people, uh, give us character where we're lacking character, that we could. Budget that in, you know and as long as you paid enough money that that would that would come together in your life Wouldn't that be great if something like that happened? unfortunately character makeovers Don't necessarily work like a like a home makeover uh, When it comes to our character really there's only only one person that can make us better people and and his name is Jesus and How are the followers of Jesus supposed to behave? I mean, exactly if we were to, I don't know, if we were to go around the room, if we had time this morning just to poll each person and and we say, okay, tell us the top five behaviors of a follower of Christ. I got a feeling that some of us would say the same things, but many of us, our list would all be different. So exactly how is... Or how are followers of Jesus supposed to behave? The scriptures answer this for us. And we're going to be looking at that this morning. Paul talks about putting on the new self. Talking about how that when we become followers of Jesus, we become different. Uh, not just, not just um, yes, we're different from people who are not following Jesus. That, that part is true. But when we look at our lives, we know we're different. That who we used to be before Christ and who we are now that we're following Christ, those are two different people. And what's what's really amazing, what's really cool is that as life goes on, it continues to change. I mean, 10 years ago, I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. But 10 years ago, at that point in time, I wasn't the same person then I was 10 years prior to that. As, as life progresses, Christ keeps changing us. He keeps changing our character. And yes, people around us ought to be able to see that we're different, but when we look at ourselves, we should be able to look at ourselves and say, I'm, I'm not the same person. I don't necessarily have the same habits. I don't necessarily respond the same way. I don't get anxious about the same things. I don't say the words I used to say. I don't watch the same entertainment that I used to find entertaining. Those things should be changing inside of us. Not just because we're getting older or, or because we're getting more experienced in life, but because Jesus is doing something inside of us is making us different and and paul calls this putting on the new self and and when it comes to to being who we are especially when it comes to our behavior let me tell you something thoughts are the foundation for our behaviors the way we think ultimately determines the way we behave and really the way it works is like this what we think determines how we feel and what we feel ultimately influences the way we behave in life thoughts that's where it starts if we if we want to be if we want to do a character makeover if if we're looking in the mirror and we're looking at ourselves and we're saying i'm not who i want to be it starts with the way we think not the way we behave we get it backwards and Paul's talking about this in Ephesians look at what he says in Ephesians chapter 4 he says with the Lord's authority I say this live no longer as the Gentiles now in Ephesians the word Gentiles means two things first of all it can mean anyone who is not Jewish that's a Gentile But also, the word means anyone who's not following Jesus. So, in this particular instance where he uses the word Gentile, that's what he's referring to. He's referring to those people who are not following Jesus. So he says, With the Lord's authority, I say this live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused notice he did not say they have hopeless bad behavior he says they are hopelessly confused their minds are full of darkness and they wander far from the life god gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him they have no sense of shame They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Now he gets to behavior, but where did it start? They were confused in their thinking. The way they were thinking ultimately led to the way they were behaving. And it is true for me and you. The way we think ultimately determines the way we behave the first thing that i'd like to point out that paul is mentioning in this passage he says without christ morality is confusing and we build a life far from god notice what he said they are confused in their thinking they are without christ and when we try to live our lives without christ morality becomes confusing what do i mean by that we don't know what's right and wrong anymore i mean we think we have an idea of what's right and wrong but it changes it morphs through time just as our morality should get better walking with christ guess what happens with our morality and when we walk without christ it gets worse He says they build a life farther and farther away from the the life he intended them to live. So without Christ, it becomes more and more difficult, especially in today's world. Without Christ, it becomes really confusing to know what's right, what's wrong. How should I be responding to this? What's the the Christ-like way to respond to this situation in my life? when we are without Christ that gets more and more confusing because life is pretty complicated in life I wish everything was white and black it's always white and black when we're looking at someone else's life isn't it we always know what somebody else should do but when we're looking at our own life it's not always white and black it's very gray. And it's, Lord, what am I supposed to do? Well, without Christ, that just gets more and more confusing. Because our minds become closed. Our hearts become hardened. And we build a life farther and farther away from God's intent. That's what happens without Christ. But look at what he goes on to say. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. It's a really interesting phrase here when he says, that isn't what we learned. He's not talking about facts. He's talking about more than facts. He's talking about the type of learning that happens from someone As opposed to learning about someone so so for instance if we were going to remodel our home wouldn't it be great i mean we just watch hgtv and and there we learn facts about how to remodel our home but wouldn't it be better if chip and joanna just showed up at our house and we learned from them do you see the difference That's what he's talking about right here. He's saying, "This, this is not what you learned about Christ. Not that we've learned these abstract facts about Christ, but that Christ himself will teach us. We learn from him, not just about him. He says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, look at this. Instead, let the Spirit change your behaviors. Is that what it says? No, it says let the Spirit renew your minds and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Do you see how this happens between the years? If we want a character makeover, it starts with changing the way we think. Not changing our behaviors. If we change, if we allow the Spirit to renew our minds, we will change the way we behave. It will simply be a byproduct of Him Renewing our minds. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying that with Christ, morality is clearly marked and our lives receive steady revisions. See, as we walk with Christ, as we learn from Christ, and as life changes, the circumstances in life change. As those things begin to change, we're learning from Christ what we need to do. As we walk with him, and so life throws us all kinds of obstacles and challenges that, that center around our morality, how we 're supposed to behave in today's world. as we learn from Christ, we figure out how we're supposed to respond to what's going on in the world. What should my response be? What should my thoughts and my attitudes be as? A result of what's going on in the world think about what's been going on in the world how much did we how much did you learn from christ on how to think and what your attitude should be through the pandemic what governed your thoughts through that see we don't just learn about christ we learn from christ And he renews our thoughts. He renews our attitudes. So that our morality, the way we behave in any given moment, will honor him and bring peace to our hearts. Which a lot of us lacked and still lack right now in our lives. Then Paul begins to describe the habits that a new mind will give us that if we allow christ to renew our thoughts and our attitudes then there's seven habits that i'm going to go through really quickly this isn't rocket science you're not going to hear anything that you haven't heard before I mean, these things that I'm about to share with you, people who don't believe in Jesus, don't believe in God, even they want people to behave this way. There's nothing new here except that the way we start acting like this comes from letting Christ renew our minds and our attitudes. Changing the way we think so that ultimately we will change the way we behave. But look at what... Paul begins to point out that happens to you and I when this begins to unfold. He says in Ephesians 4, verse 25, So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth for we are all parts of the same body. Here's the first habit that happens. We speak the truth with considerate respect for others. Truthful words includes the things we say on social media it's not just talking about the things we actually say to one another that's part of it but it's the things that we say there also that matter are we speaking the truth considerately and respectfully with those who might disagree or are we yelling and raging and screaming using all caps? Paul says that when the Holy Spirit renews our thoughts, it renews our attitudes, it changes what we say to people. It changes the way we say it to people. When he says here, for we are all parts of the same body. For those of us that have been church a long time, we we immediately begin to think of Paul's illustration of the body of Christ, how believers are put together like in the body of Christ. That's not what he's talking about right here. What he talks about right here that we are all part of the same body, he's talking about the symbiotic reliance we have on each other in community. That, that when people lie to one another in a community, that impacts the whole community. We're all aware of this. When, when a, a lie is told on, on the news media, whatever, pick your favorite lie. We've probably got options, right? So, so here's your, th- this lie is told, it immediately begins to impact the way the rest of us think. Which impacts the way we treat each other which impacts the way we start driving, impacts the way we start talking to one another because because things are going on, things are being said, and it's impacting us. So folks, when we lie to each other, we're actually impacting each other in a negative way. We need each other to tell the truth. That doesn't mean the truth always sounds good. That doesn't mean we always are going to enjoy what the truth says. But at least it's the truth. And our emotional response to truth, at least that's different than the emotional response that someone gets that's built off a lie. That's why it's so important that we're letting the Spirit renew our thoughts. Renew our attitudes. So that we speak truth. Instead of speaking lies. And that when we encounter people who disagree with us or or don't see it like we see it, that that we speak the truth to them respectfully and considerately. Why? Because that's exactly what Jesus did. That's exactly what he did. And you know what? The more I read the Gospels, the more I figure it out. If Jesus couldn't speak considerately and respectfully, you know what he did? He didn't speak. He didn't say anything in fact I think if you'll read when they crucified him he hardly said anything at all at the lies that were being said about him his response was mostly silence a new mind leads to new attitudes which leads to different behaviors. Notice what Paul goes on to say. He doesn't just stop there with how we speak. He says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives foothold, gives a foothold to the devil. Here's the second habit. Learn to be mad at the right time, for the right reason, at the right person, and to the right extent, and then let it go. This verse does not say you and I should never get angry. It says that we should not be controlled by our anger. There's absolutely things that you and I should be angry about in our lives. Things that we see going on in the world. Things that we see happen at work. Things that take place in our homes. There are things that happen that should make us angry. We just shouldn't let our anger control us. It's learning to be, first of all, mad about the right things. That's our biggest problem. I I believe one of the greatest struggles we have is that we get angry about the wrong things. We're not even angry about what's really important. And then sometimes, even if we nail that down, we get angry about the right things, we get upset with the wrong person. I can't tell you how many times I've kicked the dog because I'm mad at somebody else. But we do that to people, don't we? I am mad at person X, but I'm yelling at person Y. And then then there's also appropriate anger. How many many times do, do we get angry about something and our response is way overboard? It's way overboard. Parents do this with kids frequently. Mom and dad's all jacked up about something that happened at work. They come home, and little Johnny does something that ticks them off, and they go off the rail. They start calling Johnny names and how he's a loser and he's never going to amount to anything. They're not even mad at him, they're mad at something else, and their response is just off the chart. We do that to one another. But you know what? If we allow Christ to renew our thoughts, renew our attitudes, it changes what happens when we get angry. How we display our anger changes. Look at what Paul goes on to say. Ephesians 4, 28, he says, "...if you are a thief, quit stealing." Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Here's the third habit. Don't be a negative contributor to the church or the community. A negative contributor. Folks, there are three ways to contribute to the church and to society. One is to have a healthy attitude. Two is to serve or volunteer. Three is to support it financially. Some people can get one or two out of those three. Some people can nail all three sometimes. And then there's some people that can't do any of them. They've got a bad attitude, they're never available to serve, and they're not going to support financially. And you know what? Those individuals are actually negative contributors. They actually are becoming a drain on the system. Do you know what really irks me sometimes is that there are people who call themselves followers of Christ who show up to church with a bad attitude. They show up to church and they're never available to serve. And they show up to church and they don't even help financially with what's going on. But they don't have any problem coming to church and surviving off everybody else doing that. That's what Paul says, stop being a thief. Stop being a negative contributor. You're actually creating, you're, you're draining from the system. Listen, how many people do we get upset with within culture, within society who live like that? I know, I know people who will come to church and rail about how there are people in society, their attitude is bad, they, they don't want to help out in the community, they don't want to do anything, and they don't want to contribute to anyone, they're totally selfish, and we talk about what horrible citizens they are. But yet, that's how some of us act here. Paul says, stop being a thief stop being a negative contributor but you know what if you want that to happen you must let christ change the way you think because there is always something to create a bad attitude there is always something else we can do than volunteer there's always something else we can do with the resources that god gives us instead of giving it back to him And if we don't let Christ change the way we think, if we don't let him change our attitudes, we will be negative contributors. That's what we do. That's how we naturally drift without Christ. Notice. What else he goes on to say in Ephesians 4, 29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Here's the fourth habit. Be a source of encouragement in the face of problems. Don't use foul and abusive language. I'm not just talking about cussing. (laughs) Listen, listen. To cuss requires the least amount of intelligence in the world. Anybody can recite four-letter words at any given time. Foul and abusive language is... Paul, Paul's talking about when we put thought to our word. He's not just talking about um, the flippant things we might say when we get upset or when we're facing a challenge. He's talking about how, how we... How we craft words to hurt people. He said, don't, don't be like that. He said, instead, be a source of encouragement. Uh, Caleb sent me this video this week. I want to share it with you because everybody needs somebody in their life like this. Watch this little guy here uh, in, in the classroom. Number five, King. Where's number five? Show us five. Where's five? Hold oh, it up. All right, clap for King. Clap for King, all right. King, show us number one. All right, clap for King. Clap for... King. Okay, King, show us number two. Number two, King. All right, clap for King. We all need a hype man in our life, don't we? Somebody to come along and say, yeah, yeah. Let me me ask you something. Who are you hyping up? Who do you hype up? That's what Paul's talking about. Be a source of encouragement. Everybody knows the problems. Listen, everybody knows the problems going on in the world. Who are we we encouraging? Who are we coming along beside and we're hyping them up? Listen, if we want to be those kind of people, we've got to let Christ change the way we think. We've got to let him change our attitudes so that we become somebody's hype man. Standing there yelling, yeah, that's my boy. That's great. Paul goes on to say, In the next next verse, he says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. It leads to the fifth habit, and that is, Stop willfully disobeying God's leading. Stop willfully disobeying it. Listen, folks, there there are times that we are going to sin, that we're going to mess up, we're going to respond in an inappropriate way. But it wasn't premeditated. It wasn't something that we thought about before in advance. It's just life unfolded, things happened, and we responded in an ungodly way. And and now we need to go back and we need to ask God to forgive us and and, and learn from that and move forward. That's not what Paul's talking about right here. What Paul's talking about right here are the times in life where you and I know something's wrong. God's already dealt with us about it and we are going to do it anyway. We know that it's wrong that we should not engage in sexual activity before we get married with someone. But we're going to do it anyway. We know that it's wrong, that that we should be generous, and we are aware of a situation where we should be generous, but we're not. We've already made up our mind, and we're not going to be generous there, even though we already know what God has asked us to do. We know that we should forgive people when they do things to hurt us, and we've thought about that, and we've prayed about that, and God has told us what we should do, but we're not. We're not going to. I'm not going to forgive that person. Paul says, it's in these moments that we do the things that grieve the Holy Spirit of God within us the most. It's not those moments where life unfolds quickly and we just respond and it was a bad response. No, no. It is when we know better, when we've heard better, when we've learned better from Him. And we just say, you know what, I'm going to do that anyway. And it's willful disobedience. Paul says, don't be like that. Quit doing that. And if you and I are going to be that way, then we have got to let Christ change the way we think. We've got to let him change the way we think and let him change our attitude so that we will not willfully disobey God when we know, we know what we should do. We're just not going to do it. We just know we're not. And Paul, when he talks about this grieving of the Spirit, it's, it's, the, it's, a, it's a picture of a, of a fire being put out. A healthy fire. You know, fire is one of those things that if it's within its boundaries, it's wonderful, isn't it? If it's within its boundaries, it's a very productive thing. So fire is not always negative. The Spirit of God inside of us is like a healthy fire. It operates, it it motivates, it encourages, it spurs, it it does all these healthy things in our life. But to grieve the Spirit means that someone just comes along and douses that but it's not that someone came along. We did it. We doused it. Because we knew what we were supposed to do, and we just willfully said, no, I am not going to do that. And Paul says, quit. Quit doing that. Now, here's what's really interesting, okay? This, this, this information that we're looking at from God's Word this morning, this was written to believers. If you're sitting here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you're thinking about that, you're trying to figure that out, you're trying to, you, you know, you're wondering, or if you're watching online and you're, yeah, I'm just not sure I'm, I'm, I'm really into following Jesus yet, can I just tell you something? You are totally off the hook. Everything I'm talking about right now does not apply to you at all. But if you're sitting here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you claim that he has saved you paul says in this verse that that remember he has identified you as his own guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption if that's you you're not off the hook this was written specifically to those who say they are following christ Another habit that he talks about, Ephesians in verse 30, 31, Ephesians 4, he says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So Paul starts talking about the way we treat other people, especially the people we disagree with or the people that have hurt us, the people who have done things to us and we remember those deeds. Paul says now's the time to start getting rid of all this. And, and the habit that, that he's talking about is, is forgiveness. He, he, Paul is saying forgive early, often, and consistently. That when, listen, we live in a broken world. We, we live in systems that are broken that are going to hurt us. We we work for companies that are going to mistreat us. And but it's not just that. It's it's people. We live in a world of people that are going to hurt us. Sometimes it's someone you know really well, and those hurt the worst. And sometimes it's a total stranger that you've never seen before. But we live in a world where people will hurt us. And Paul says... You need to get rid of that bitterness that builds up inside. You need to get rid of that rage. You need to get rid of that anger. You need to forgive as Christ has forgiven you. How do we do that? Especially, you know, I know you you, you might be sitting there saying, you know, typically when we talk about forgiveness and you're, and and, and we, I mean, all of us, even as I'm preaching, I I immediately start thinking of people that hurt me. I don't know. Does that happen to me? Does that happen to you? I mean, I immediately start thinking of someone that did something to me back either last week, this morning, yesterday. Who knows? I start thinking, and and immediately I, I want to say, but Paul, that's not fair. You don't know what that person did to me. It's not fair for you to say that I should forgive them. You don't know what they did to me. When Paul wrote this, he was in prison. being treated as a terrorist because he preached Christ, I think he understood a little bit about what it meant to get rid of bitterness and to get rid of rage and anger. See, if we're going to do that, if, we're really, if you're going to be able to forgive the person you're thinking of right now, it comes by letting Christ change the way we think. It starts there. It's not just this willful decision that says, I forgive someone. Nope. It it comes from spending time with Christ, learning from him, letting him change the way we think, letting him change our attitude, and ultimately we get rid of our bitterness and our rage and our anger, and we forgive. Doesn't mean we ever trust him again. That's two different things, and that's another sermon. But we can forgive someone. For what they did paul laid out these six habits of things that you and i those of us who are following christ that these things should be evident in our life and if you and i if we behaved this way the things that paul's been talking about this morning if you and i were to be able to do this well that would be a character makeover For many of us, we would not be the same individual. We would be different. And it comes from letting Christ change the way we think, which changes the way we feel, which ultimately influences the way we behave. Let Him renew our minds. I've got a closing question for you this morning. Something that I, I want you to think about. I want you to answer it right now. It's just for you. It's just for you. You don't have to share your answer with anyone. But right now, are you, and I want you to circle one of these, are you without Christ or with Christ? Only you know the answer to that question. Are you without Christ or are you with christ that is so important because paul makes it clear that without christ morality is just going to get more and more confusing our minds are going to get darker we're going to be more confused we're going our hearts are going to be hardened you need to know that about yourself if that's the path you're on at least be honest and say that's the path i'm on at least know where you are or are you with christ And if you're with Christ, is he renewing the way you think? Is he renewing your attitudes? Because that's an ongoing thing. The second question I would like to ask you this morning is, which one of the six habits do you need to focus on right now in your life? Just pick one. Don't try to handle all six of them. You go crazy just pick one pick one and start there saying lord i want i want to be different will you renew me here you'll see how it bleeds over into the others but start one and write that number there whichever one it is for you what is the point of listening to this if you're not going to respond to these two questions what is the point i would like to leave you with this prayer i hope that you can use it this week it says father i have placed my faith in christ my life should be strikingly different i confess it is not as different as it should be because of habit number and you know which one it is Please forgive me for this. I humble myself before you. You have the authority, and I accept it, to change me. I want to put on the new me, the me that you have created and called me to be. I pray it in Jesus' name. I hope that can be your prayer this 4th of July. God bless you. Thank you for being at Grace Bible Church. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you next Sunday.